0: Please turn with me this evening to that chapter in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles, chapter 33. Now read verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. Well, we're looking this evening at this salvation and grace which came to a very wicked king, And my title is The Old Testament Prodigal Son, because that's just what he is like. You're all familiar with the New Testament prodigal, how he went away from his father and lived in such a terrible way, total disregard, tried to get as far away from his father as he could, and only when he came to his senses, then he came back to his father, came back a picture of how we come back to God in repentance and faith when it dawns on us. That's the best place to be, to be near our God. Well, Manasseh is also put on record as somebody who is equally undeserving than the prodigal son. Maybe more so, when you look at his life and all that he did, as we've read already, he has a terrible list of sins the terrible things that he has done, deliberate sins, willful sins, provocative sins, provoking none other than God himself, rising up against God and almost shaking his fist in God's face and saying, well, I can do whatever I like. And yet such a man who lived for years in such a condition and in such a deliberate way found mercy when he turned to God, when he prayed to the Lord, Lord be gracious to me, Lord forgive me. Well the Lord heard his cry and friends it's, it's here on record for us as an example of grace to encourage you to encourage me to come to God wherever you are whatever you have done in life however bad you've been probably you've never reached the depths of sin like Manasseh And so here is a record. If he found mercy, so too can you. If he found forgiveness of sins and a new life and a new beginning, he didn't deserve it. Neither do we. But you too can find the same sin, the same forgiveness. So let that be your thought as we study this. If God is gracious to him, why not me? Why not me? Well, friends, what a life Uh, He lived, Manasseh, where he came, we read, to the throne when he was uh, 12 years old. And actually his father was still alive. His father was Hezekiah, who was a very good king. And when Manasseh came to the throne, his father was also reigning. They reigned uh, together. Uh, He was a co-regent for a number of years, good uh, 10 years or so. But his father was a good king. His father, I'm sure you know, uh, did good things uh, in Jerusalem and in Judah there was uh, uh, he was a, a king who followed God who loved the Lord who served the Lord two things stick out from uh, Hezekiah's life one was when Assyria the mighty c- country came against Judah and Jerusalem was surrounded and there was no way out what did Hezekiah do he prayed to God he prayed And and the Lord heard his prayer. And the Assyrian army, we haven't got time to go into all the details, but the Assyrian army was turned back. And well, Manasseh would know about that great deliverance that God had wrought for his father and his country. And then we could think again, uh, there was a time when Isaiah came to uh, Hezekiah and he said to him, set your house in order for you're going to die soon. And Hezekiah, when he heard those words, he he turned his face to the wall and he prayed again earnestly. And God heard his prayer and added fifteen years uh, to uh, his life. Well, that was uh, remarkable things which Manasseh here, his son, would surely have known about. Further, many other things that Hezekiah did: he removed idolatry from Judah, he reopened the temple doors. He restored temple worship of the true God and that he did that which was good and right before the Lord. So uh, but when his father died, when Manasseh's father died, uh, Manasseh was just around 22 years old and he then became the sole ruler, the sole uh, king. And almost immediately he begins to undo all the good work that his father has done. He begins to cast aside all his father's instruction and he begins to reintroduce into to Judah idolatry, the very things which God hates. And on such a scale, we, we read that it was, it was even worse than the Canaanites who had inhabited the land uh, before that. Oh, friends, what a terrible thing he, uh, he is doing. What a terrible list that is here put on record uh, for us and I can uh, it's quite depressing actually uh, this list of things that he does so openly and and uh, brazenly and I just go through some of these things uh, briefly he rebuilt the high places he made altars uh, for Baal that's the Phoenician God he brought that detested by the Lord and uh, it it was a fertility God a sun God the worship of the storm God All these things were included uh, in Baal uh, worship. And it was connected with it were sexual orgies and this immoral uh, side to things, which made it very appealing uh, to people. And it was easy to pass on uh, to the people, as he did later, the worship of the sun and the moon and the stars, forbidden by, uh, and he would know this, but he's deliberately uh, going out uh, to do this with every act. He's insulting the living God and he's multiplying transgressions one after the other. Not content with just reintroducing idolatry into the land, he brings it into the very house of God, into the very temple. We read that he put altars, verse 4, in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, in Jerusalem shall be shall my name be uh, forever. So he's provoking the Lord deliberately, and then he went further, and he put uh, an idol in the holy place, defying God, the very place where God is to be worshipped. There he places these idolatrous uh, things. And then he goes, he goes on, he says, verse 6, he made his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And that's, that's a wicked thing again to do. What's he doing? His very own children making to pass through the fire. This fire to Moloch, but well, it was like a great hollow image, a brass image. And it was heated red hot. And the fire, uh, the fire was heated red hot. And then children were either passed through them or they were sacrificed on them till they sacrificed to death. And this is what he did with his own children. Oh, friends, what a terrible position uh, he is in. What a, How has he gone so far? And then look, at, the list goes on. He made Judah also to follow his ways. Not only did he just do it himself, he influenced others. He made it a national religion. Uh, in, in Judah, that they, in Israel, that they must follow uh, this, uh, uh, his ways. They too must be idolatrous. And then even more, he goes on, uh, he goes on to say that he even filled Jerusalem with innocent uh, blood. Those who rejected him, those who told him uh, that he shouldn't be doing these things, the prophets who reproved him, but well, he wouldn't listen to them. He probably had them put away, done away with. This was the kind of person that he was. He multiplies transgressions one after the other, freely, deliberately, with all his heart and all his soul. He is engaged in these sins. Oh, as we would say today, his father would have turned in the grave to know that what his son was doing and the kind of life that he was living. But friends... What a picture this is also, isn't it, of our own society today. It's quite similar in some ways. Uh, We see even today, what's the religion, the national religion of this country? Is it Christianity? Not anymore. Not anymore. People still in the Far East, they still think uh, we are a Christian country, but it's not. It's certainly not Christianity. Is it immorality? That seems to be more a a religion of the day. Sexual immorality seems higher in people's worship than the, the, the worship of the true God. There's a provoking of God in our society, friends. It's as if people are saying anything but God. That's what idolatry is, isn't it? Having something else in the place of the true God. And that's what our society is saying, and grabbing hold of it, and saying, "Well, anything but the true God." We want, uh, we we'll latch on to anything. So evolution comes along and says, "There is no true God. Everything is by chance. Everything is can be is naturally explained." We latch on to those things because we believe we want to believe those things, but we we are provoking the Lord by doing such things. Or isn't, aren't we guilty, friends, as a society of forgetting God, of forgetting our history? Isn't that a great insult to God? What great things God has done for our country. When we look back at a history, we have to marvel at the Lord's deliverances. Well, I can only name a few. We don't have time. But we think of the Spanish Armada sent by... Catholic Spain to invade this country and what did God do? In answer to prayers the prayers of his people God sent a wind and a, the Spanish Armada all that fleet of ships that were coming this way went in another direction and then you could think as well of the, the, the Catholic plot to blow up the houses of parliament well that was that was discovered at the very last moment and Guido Fawkes was discovered there in the basement uh, of uh, the, the Houses of Parliament. It wasn't a fluke; by his discovered, it was God's deliverance, saving this country from the attempts of Catholicism to overtake it, to, to rob to rob it of uh, uh, its Protestant uh, heritage. We look at our history, and we see what a wonder, what a, a band of preachers have we have had. Uh, year after year especially in the last century or the 19th century and before we should say we look at men like C.H. Spurgeon and you look at men like George Whitfield and John Wesley who went up and down this land preaching the gospel of God's grace and the whole nation was turned around and the whole nation was saved from going further down into depravity and immorality by their preaching all these are blessings friends how can we forget uh, these things? To do so is to be, it's an insult uh, to God. To say we don't want any more of that old stuff. We don't want any more of that old kind of God and that old kind of living and that we want to do whatever we want to do. We want to go our own way. Well, this is, why did, has, why did uh, this, this king, Manasseh, live in such a way? Maybe because he thought as a king, this is I have a right to do that. No one's going to tell me any different. I can do whatever I choose. Now my my dad's gone and he's out of the way. I'm free to do as I choose. I can live as I like. It doesn't matter. I'm king, I rule, my rules go. Isn't that us, friends? Is that you? You say to God, I'm, I'm not listening to you. You have no right. Somebody said that to me recently. It's up to me when I go to church. It's up to me wh- whether I believe in God or not. Well, it's my life. It's my rules. It's so often we hear this saying, he felt no accountability of himself before God. He had no one to give accountability to because he was king, he was reigning. He could do as he liked. And we sometimes lose that sense, we are responsible. I am responsible to God who made me and created me. I cannot uh, do as I like. Why did he behave like this? He had such a a catalogue of sins, isn't it? Here we read off, and once again, friends, uh, we we may be the same. We are the same. We may not have such a terrible list as he does, but we also have a catalogue of sins in our lives. Lies, hypocrisy, envies, hatred, immorality. Uh, maybe we hurt people with our words. Maybe we're very proud. we give in uh, to our lusts. When we look and really examine our lives, we have to say there is more than one sin in us, idolatry even in us. We place something else before God. In some some places, they place the saints before God, or Mary before God. That's idolatry, friends. We place somebody else before the living God, or we place ourselves before God. Self-idolatry. All these sins, and so many more, really, we are guilty of, and we have nothing, really, to recommend us uh, to God. But why did he behave in this way, friends? Why did... Uh, this king who had such a good upbringing behave in this way? Well, in one sense, uh, he wanted to be, verse 2 tells us, like unto the abominations of the heathen. He wanted to be like the neighboring countries. He wanted uh, to follow in the same way. He didn't want to stick out as something different, to worship the true and living God. Well, they would be the only one in in that area. And maybe also... Uh, for maybe also, for us, it might be something uh, similar we may we may say well i don 't want to be a christian it 's not the popular thing to do. people don 't go to church these days people don 't believe in God. the majority don 't believe in god i don 't want to be unpopular. I want to be with the crowds. I want to be with my friends, I want to be in the in the in group, and maybe that 's a reason why people keep away from the Lord and continue uh, in opposition to him. Maybe this king, he thought, or or rather, he couldn't blame his circumstances. He couldn't say, well, I've had a bad influence in my life. I've had a bad upbringing. That's not why he's behaving like this. He can't say that. He can't recourse to that. Because he 's had a good father, and we have a, it's, it's also most likely had a good mother as well, so he he was taught the right way. he had the the word of God spoken to him, the prophets were, were there speaking to him. Isaiah was still alive in his earlier days, so he would have heard the prophet Isaiah's messages speaking to him, he had those experiences of his father passed on to him, so he he, it couldn't be uh, his uh, upbringing. No, friends. He, uh, he couldn't blame his, uh, his circumstances. He couldn't blame other people. We can't blame others as well for our sins. We can't blame, oh, it's because of my circumstances. It's because uh, of uh, uh, my uh, deprived uh, upbringing. That's why I've had such a terrible uh, that's why I do all these terrible things. It's our choice. Just like this uh, king, he, this was his choice. He chose to do these things. It was his initiative to do these things. It's his own fault. And the blame lies f- fully upon uh, his uh, shoulders. And the same for us, friends. The, the cause for our sins, we look at no other... We point no fingers at other people, other circumstances. When we truly realize our need, we point it only at ourselves. I am to blame, uh, we say. Well, friends, uh, this is the sad account, but what happened to him? Well, just one more thing, really, before we come to his change. Didn't he know? Didn't he know that he was doing wrong? Didn't Manasseh know? Well, yes, yes he would have known surely verse 10 tells us even the lord spake to manasseh and to his people but they would not hearken they wouldn't listen and uh, he had these teachings uh, the lord maybe sent these prophets to uh, uh, tell him what he was doing was wrong he had his father's instructions at the back of his mind but he overrid all these things. His own conscience would have troubled him as he was going about doing these things, especially in the early days when it first started. His conscience would have made him feel very uncomfortable, but he still overrid his conscience, overrid the inner voice within him and carried on doing those things. Conscience, friends, it's your friend. Don't don't stifle it. Don't stifle it. It's your friend to tell you when things are right and when things are wrong. You know, I, I was uh, once looking at a friend's wedding photos, and uh, in almost every photo, there was this, this man. He was in, a guest. He was invited as well to the wedding, but he wasn't a close family member. But He was, he was appearing in almost every photo that was taken. There he was at some point or other, uh, uh, in, the, in the corner or somewhere amongst the, the crowd even I think in the family photos he was still there well, conscience is like that conscience appears in places where, where you wouldn't expect it you, you're doing, doing something wrong it keeps showing itself it will keep uh, uh, reminding you this is not the way to go this is not the thing to do and you know it we know it we listen we say yes conscience is right but what do we do? Oh, maybe like those photos, you take a scissors, cut out that man so he's not in the photo. Oh, that's what we do with conscience. We try and get rid of it, stifle it uh, in our lives. Look uh, what happened then to him in verse 11. Now God is beginning uh, to deal with him. The Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns. There he was, he tried to hide in a thorn bush, but he was found. And they bound him with fetters and chains and carried him to a Babylon. A hook is put through his nose. He's shackled in his hands and his feet and he's marched off to this foreign country, to Babylon. And there he is cast into a dirty dungeon. He's humbled. This is the king. And he's reach, he reaches this position. He's brought uh, to the end of himself. He's brought down by uh, these things. This is God's doing to bring him to that position. And look, in the prison, what he does. Verse 12, when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. He prayed earnestly to God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and heard his uh, supplication. He prays, he impl- implores uh, the Lord, his God. He knows now, already, in this far-off place. He doesn't pray to his idols. He doesn't, there's no mention of that. It's as if he's known all along, this is the true God. And now, especially this humbling situation, and this difficult situation that he's in, trapped Maybe his life is in danger and soon to be taken away and death is round the corner for him and he cries earnestly to God for help and for pardon and for forgiveness. And will God hear his prayer? Maybe he thought, surely there is no hope for me. All that I have done, all that list of things I've done, great provocations against him, surely he will not hear my prayer. Surely he will turn me away, all oh, my deliberate acts of wickedness and murder. How can God hear my prayer? Maybe, friends, even there he remembered his father. He remembered his father's instructions. Maybe he remembered the teaching of Isaiah and some of the words of Isaiah. Maybe some of the things like this came to his mind Isaiah uh, chapter 55 and verse 6. Seek seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And maybe that was in his mind. And then again, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse... 18. Uh, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Oh, what words! They will be like music to his ears. What? Forgiveness for me still? Mercy from God, still my sins are as red as scarlet. But the Lord here says, come, come, let us reason uh, together. Though they are so, he will forgive us, he will forgive him and make him as white as snow. Well, that's what he did, friends. And like the prodigal son, he realizes what a fool he has been and, he pray- and comes to his senses and he prays, Lord, I've sinned greatly against you. Lord, I've provoked you by my idolatry. I've rebelled against you. i sinned against light. i offended you. I'm not worthy to be forgiven, but you're a merciful God, one who abundantly pardons. I have abundantly sinned. Oh, Lord, abundantly pardon and forgive all my sin. Friend, will you pray like that? Will you pray this kind of prayer even tonight? He had some light. You have much more. He had some examples to help him. You have so much more. You not only have Isaiah, you have all the New Testament to help you. You have all the words of Christ to help you. So much more words and promises are given to you to believe, to come and receive forgiveness. So many more examples. We could talk about the Apostle Paul and how God saved him who was so opposed uh, to Christians and brought him into his kingdom by grace. Oh, friends, so many. One after the other after the other could be presented to you to encourage you to come. You have so much more. Monastic came with what he had. You have so much more. You have the cross You can look back now at the cross on which Christ died and you can see that greatest demonstration. In fact, the facts of it are all known. Christ came from heaven in great love and pity for us and gave his life for sinners. Gave his life so that pardon could be extended to you and to me. Come, friends. Pray this prayer. Humble yourselves uh, before the Lord. Turn from your sins. And trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will hear your prayer. No matter how far you have gone, he is merciful. We say it again so that you you can get the message. He is merciful. Even if you have abundantly sinned, he will abundantly pardon. Well, God was very gracious to Manasseh. Uh, He should have maybe remained there, but God brought him back uh, into his land. God heard his prayer, and he returned a different man. The king of Assyria, for some, for his own political reasons, probably decided to release him. But the Lord was behind uh, these things. Manasseh is brought back into God's favor and uh, restored, uh, restored to his own land as well. Oh, friends, he returns a different person. He, when he returns to Jerusalem. He removes the idols, restores the worship of the Lord. And even though Judah doesn't consent to it heartily, he is a changed man. And now he's going to be influencing others for good. So different. Grace has changed him. Grace has made him what he is. Now he knows the true God. And now he enjoys his blessings. Now he lives for him. Come, friends to Him. Confess openly your sin like He did. Don't make any excuses. Just admit things freely and openly as they are. Tell it, tell the Lord your main sins. You don't have to find out every single one, but tell Him the main sins in your life. Turn from them and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and give yourself to Him. Give your life to Him. Yield yourself to Him and you too will find life and forgiveness and favour with God. Let's pray together. Oh God, it amazes us, thy amazing grace and thy amazing mercies to such uh, guilty and terrible sinners as ourselves. And Lord, the half hasn't dawned on us even really of what we have done and how we have offended Thee, but still we would come with our guilt and our sins to Thee who art the pardoning Saviour and pray that Thou wouldst forgive us and wash us anew and make us Thine own today and forever. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. We sing our final hymn, number 399, Jesus, the Sinner's Friend, Three hundred and ninety-nine.